Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you're ministering to us constantly, even through worship. And, Father, thank you that as we bond and knit together as a body, thank you, Lord, for the plans and purposes that you have in us and through us, that these are fulfilled, and we yield to those willingly. We partner, we co-labor with you, Lord, in these harvest fields. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. 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 I am... I am um, in, in this, in the thick of my series I've been doing, talking about victorious living, and, and I'm definitely not going to do a, a, a rehash. I just need to, to tie in for a little bit from last week. You know, we, we, I spoke about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and I said, um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, if you haven't been following the series, I really encourage you to go back, download the MP3s, listen to them on the way to work or when you're driving around, but lay hold of these because I know that the Lord is ministering some really great foundations in and through these things to lay hold of a victorious life. And so, you know, we've spoken about different things and you can go back and listen to them about the love of God and the fear of God and the different things and about loving and delighting yourself in the Word and all those parts, which I'm not going to go into. But when we start, when we get to scriptures like this and we start talking about sin, sometimes people sort of dig their heels in and start saying, uh-oh, here we go. We're going to, because they, they, maybe they come from a traditional background where they've, they've, they've expected to hear something about sin or how that, that, that sin is, you know, here comes the, the judgment. Here comes we're going to be talking about sin. And, and they have a negative con- a context to, to sin. And, and it's like, no, 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 no. We must talk about sin because if we want to live a victorious life, we've got to learn to healthily identify what sin is uh, because sin, as we said, is not the fun stuff. We've been sold a bill of goods if you think that sin is the fun stuff. And that sin, and that, that if, as long as you think that, fun, that sin is the fun stuff, you're going to end up back there. You will. You will. Because that is a belief that's been embedded in your heart. That you've, you've, you've associated sin and fun together. And that is the problem. Where Jesus is not trying to spoil our fun. I, I, I showed and explained it last week. That, that in the garden and in heaven, God created us to live in pleasures forevermore. He designed, he designed for us to live in pleasures. We came in, we followed a perverted plan, and God calls the stuff that is actually destructive to us sin. Not only destructive to us personally, but destructive to our families, destructive to the ones that we live, that we, sorry, that we live with or that we love. That is what he's called sin. That's what's being labeled sin is this destructive. You know, sin will come in and will steal your life. It will steal your joy. It will steal your peace. Just like the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So we have to talk about sin if we want to have victory. And we can. We can have victory. And I know, I know, listen, I've been there and I am there in many places. We, we, you've, you've struggled, many have struggled with certain sin issues in their life and they've tried again and again and again and again to break free from something that's held them back. Well, let me tell you good news. You can. You can and you can learn to live, get effortless victory in Jesus. But we have to look at it through the eyes of what God's given us in all these foundations that we've been going through. So that's why when I've been speaking about it and I brought sin, I've only introduced sin in number five of this series. Because I was like, listen, you've got to get these foundations. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know that God loves you and is for you. And that he wants, the good, he wants to bless you and he wants to give you abundant life, etc. You've got to understand all of those things that we, we dealt before so that we can deal in this capacity healthily. Amen? So please, hear this in context because this is something that we've got to deal with. Again, remember that sin also is, it, sin is the very dangerous thing is this, it, 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 besides stealing our joy and peace and health and life and sin, sin hardens our hearts. And that is bad. That is bad. When our hearts get hardened, 
our hearts get calloused, and I've spoken about this in other messages, but when you get a calloused heart, when your heart becomes insensitive to, to it, and you start, you start, you persuade yourself that your sin is okay, and, and that your sin is not going to have the results because you've now allowed a little bit of self-deception to come in, and, and you think that, look, I can get away with this sin, it's not going to hurt me. That's what we start doing to ourselves. But the problem is that we get our hearts calloused, and calloused hearts can't hear. Calloused hearts can't hear. God can be listening, speaking to us, but we're not clearly listening to Him. Because, and, and there's so much to talk about on that subject. Because, but I just want you to know that this is one of the, the, the issues of sin. Sin in our lives will create hardness of heart. We become less influenceable. By the Word of God, we become less influenceable by the Spirit of God because our heart is simply calloused. But the good news is you can get your heart soft again. You can allow God to soften your heart. You can allow God to. God is still speaking to you. He has not pushed you away. It does not matter how far or how deep you are in sin. You are not far away from God. God has loved you and will always love you exactly the same as we just heard this morning. As He loves Jesus, He still loves you. He loved you before you were born again. He loves you still. That is not going to change. That's never been the goal to be loved by God. Amen? So understand this. This is where we've got to go. We've, we've got to understand um, that sin, though, has got this, this other in, 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 uh, terrible side effect of hardening our hearts. And then, of course, this one, I believe that Satan is, is a field day, has a, a field day in this just because we get, our, our kingdom purpose gets stolen from us. When we live and dwell in sin, we have kingdom purpose. You have a unique kingdom role to play. And it's not just one thing. You ha- Let me rephrase that. You have a kingdom role right now. And that kingdom role can change next week, next month, next year. You can walk in your kingdom role and you can go from step to step, as I've said so often, glory to glory, strength to strength. You can go. Your kingdom role can change, but you have a kingdom role. And when you're in sin, your conscience will bother you and you say, you disqualify yourself. I can't. What good am I? I can't say that to that person. Look at me. I, I, have, a, I have a problem here. I'm not good enough. You know what that Bible actually calls that? Self-righteousness. Because you're trusting in yourself for righteousness. Not God-righteousness. We've been given a righteousness that is from God. And, and, and it's actually when we're conscious of sin in our lives that we easily disqualify ourselves. It's easily to be, like I said, sold that bill of God, goods where we, we no longer feel that kingdom purpose. And please... If we are going to change our lives or, or, or live in the change of life that God has for us and have victory in life, and if we're going to affect America and, and even bring it home to whatever town, Eustace, Tiberias, wherever you're living, Mount Dora, Umatilla, wherever you are living, you can affect a change in your environment, in your family, in your people, in your everything. You are called for a kingdom purpose. But, but if we don't believe that, I say that, but I can sense that pe- many of you don't believe that. You've already disqualified yourself as I say that. No, not me. You don't understand, Shannon, how bad I am. You don't understand, Shannon, this is it. You don't understand. No, no, no. You don't understand how righteous you are. You don't understand what God has done for you. You don't understand that you've been redeemed, bought. You've been bought for a price. Your sin has been paid for, the punishment. You don't understand. You cannot. We, the kingdom needs you. The kingdom needs you. If we got fired up, I'm telling you, if just little old Lake Haven Church, if we got fired up for our kingdom purpose and we each just did what our kingdom purpose is today, my kingdom purpose today, we would revolutionize this town and this city and we would, have, we would revolutionize it. So stop believing lies. Sin listen to Kemp carefully, does not disqualify you. I'm going to say that very carefully. Sin does not disqualify you. 
it hardens your heart. It puts you in a place. It makes you very unhealthy. It makes you in a place where you won't be able to listen and to flow properly. And it would, like that's what we're reading in Hebrews 12 where we started. He says, let's cast aside these things, these weights and the sin. That's more than just sin. That's just stuff, protuberances. I think one of the words is for that. that uh, there, you, can, you can't run your race. You have a race to run. I have a race to run. We all have a race to run. But you can't run it when we've been burdened with sin. Amen? So listen, this is not condemnation. I want you to hear God very, very clearly. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are set free. You've been made righteous. Those are truths that you've got to get established in your heart. But you do need victory. You need victory in the sin because each time you give in to sin and your heart gets a little more hardened and it becomes, you become, you want to incorporate sin. And, and, and man, I tell you what, grace churches are some of the worst in the sense because we just think we go into that thing like, well, you know, grace gives me an excuse to live in sin because God loves me anyhow. Listen, sin will kill you. Sin destroys, not God. It's not punishment, it's sin. Who wants to live with death? When you associate, and, I've, and I touched on this as well, when you associate pain and sin together, if you do the exercise and you, you take the time to associate pain and your sin together and, and you, you use your imagination and you say, wow, okay, this sin creates this result in my life. And you start seeing, you start believing God's word. And you say, oh, well, okay, God, you've called it sin because it brings death. Because it brings death in some capacity, in some form. It, it brings death. Then when you associate this, this struggling and you start saying, God has a way for you to live in victory and in pleasure. Every desire you have has got a God-resulted pleasure. A real, not fake, not counterfeit, a real pleasurable outcome. If you do it God's way. Amen. Amen. So as we continue into this, um, I had said that we were going to go to Romans 5, and, 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 therefore, and then we, I'm just going to pull out some, script, some, some verses from Romans 5, because Romans 5, 6, and 7 deals with this topic extensively. But in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's been talking about faith righteousness in the previous chapters from verse 1 and especially in, in the previous verse in a chapter in, in 3 and 4. It goes into talking about works righteousness, trying to be righteous and earn a righteousness from God. And it says, no, 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 it's by faith alone. You can't earn this righteousness. It's simply by faith. And then he says, because we've been made righteous, because we've been justified by faith and not by works, he says, we have peace with God. That's why we can say peace was prophesied. That dove that we, that we use at Christmas time and you got in your Christmas cards that we sent out and, and all those, that, that, that is the peace that God was prophesied. It was never prophesied, that, but it was never meant that there would be peace amongst men. No, there would be peace toward men. This is the peace that was spoken about. That peace of God, that we have the peace of God and can experience the peace of God. And then it says this in verse 2, Through Him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now we're touching on a topic of grace here and we see that, it's, that the, the, the topic of grace we have to deal with because with, grace is the way you're going to see how we have victory over sin. We have to have a biblical understanding of what grace is to lay hold of victory over sin. And we'll see why. We'll get into that. Um, in verse 8, but God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been now justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled. Now, you've heard me say so much about that word. Reconciled exchanged. The word is exchanged. That is crazy awesome. God, Jesus gave you his inheritance and took our sin. The exchange. That's what we celebrated every communion. The exchange. And that word katalaso in Greek is exchanged. And that we see multiple times here in these verses. It says there, he says um, in verse 10 again, for if while we were enemies, when? While we were enemies, 
we were reconciled, exchanged to God by the death of His Son. How much more, now that we are exchanged or reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the exchange. Now, I know, <laughs> I know that many of you struggle with that, because I did. I mean, that, we've got a book on the stand there called The Gospel of Peace. I mention it. It's available. To go and study the exchange, I'm telling you, from my religious roots, it took me three years to assimilate that truth. Yes, I'm that not smart. No, I'm just saying there, there is an element of, of getting your heart persuaded, particularly if you've come up in as much works righteousness as I did. I'm not saying that you have to and that you can't do it better or quicker. I'm not saying that at all. It just took me a while to understand, to really start grasping that truth that I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because when that peace, when that, when that knowledge fills, not my head, not because I can write it down on a test, but when that knowledge comes into my heart, ah, I feel that peace. I am the righteousness of God. Mm, 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 mm. And that righteousness fills my, I tell you what, that righteousness comes up like Jesus said to the woman at the well, you won't thirst again. I remember running from conference to conference, message to message, thing to thing, until that dropped into my heart. And it was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That truth, that truth is life-changing. So I want to drop down, because he carries on in verse 12, and I don't have time to go through these, but it's a great, great chapter to, to, to chew on and, and to spend, because he talks about this was a free gift. In, in verse, in, in verse uh, 15, he mentions the free gift, and he starts talking about the free gift. And, and, and he starts say, saying this, I'll read it in verse 15 here. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God, and the free gift by the grace of God of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like, is not like the result of one man's sin. He's talking about Adam here in context. For judgment, um, for the judgment followed one trespass that brought condemnation, but the free gift followed many trespasses and brought justification or righteousness. Now listen here. I know I'm laying and I'm going fast because these are such chewable awesomenesses to consume. But listen, verse 17. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That is a key. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, they will reign in life. That's victory in life. And it is as Simple as receiving the free gift of righteousness and an abundance, the abundance of grace in the free gift of righteousness. And these two are twins that are joined at the hip. So here I'm going to drop down to uh, verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is not talking about just life in the sweet by and by. This is talking about the God kind of life, about experience a God kind of life in today. 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 If we dare take it. If we dare take it into our hearts. If we dare lay hold of it. And we can. And it is ours. Free for the taking. Free for the consuming. Free. I want you to see that free, free. You can't buy something that's free. You can only receive it. You can only lay hold of it. You can only consume it. See Romans chapter 6. The next chapter, I'm jumping into verse uh, 6. We know that our old self, that was the pre-Jesus BC self, uh, you know, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. 
Sin, as we've said before, clings, as we, as we read in, the first, in, in Hebrews 12, it clings, comes and sticks to our feet. It slows us down. It stops us from running our race. And he says that, that we're no longer going to be enslaved by sin. Listen, guys, let's be real. Sin enslaves. It takes you in. It enslaves. It's, it, that's its design. It's a poison pill. Verse 11 says this. Um, he says, but you must no longer consider or reckon, consider, but he says, so, so you, sorry, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a lot more here than, than we can stop for, for the, um, but I just want to get a gist of, of, of hear, hear my heart, hear what the Spirit of God is saying to your heart right here. In verse 12, let not sin Reign in your mortal bodies to make, it, to make you obey their passions yourselves. Uh, sorry. Do, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as, um, as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, listen to verse 14, people. Pay attention. Look, look, look. Are you ready? Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Grace, it's the issue of grace that will give us the power to live under and, and to have dominion. It's this understanding, it's grasping, it's receiving the power of what grace can do if you don't want sin to rule and reign in your body. I... I I don't want to go the whole devil route, but I'm telling you, Satan is defeated, Colossians kindly said. The problem is not with a defeated foe. The problem is in our belief system. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 says these vain imaginations is what we pull down. It's our vain imaginations that we have to fight. It's these things. It's these things. That, and we, I'm, I'm going to deal with that, but hear this part first. It's understanding this grace that gives us the ability to have dominion and to reign in life. Sin doesn't have to stick to us. Praise God. Then that, that's in verse 15 of Romans 6, um, it actually says that same question because the, every grace person who teaches in grace, everybody says, oh, well, you're just saying it's okay to sin. And, and honestly, if anybody has ever associated the okay, it's okay to sin with grace, they have not understood grace. Grace has never been an excuse to sin. And in verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. No. Paul was accused of this and every grace preacher who teaches grace will be accused of this. But I'm telling you, I mean, I hear people say it all the time. Well, you're just a grace people. You can understand. You can Listen, there, I'm actually starting to write something because there is a big difference between approval, acceptance, tolerance, and love. But we see, we, we've got this habit in the church. We throw everything into a mixed bag and we just, we just pull out and we throw a concept together and we don't clearly want to understand what each of these concepts mean. Do you know that you are accepted in the Beloved. Do you know that not all your works are approved by God? There's a big difference. God doesn't approve of you hating and lying and cheating and stealing. He doesn't approve. Do you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit? Are you, do you know that you're still accepted in the beloved? Yes, you are. But you see, because we've never even broken those things apart. We've never said, oh, well, I'm just, we just throw this all into a mixed bag. Yes, I'm accepted and I'm approved. No, you're accepted, you're the righteousness of God, that does not make all your actions approved. Stick around this church long enough and we'll break it all out apart, but it takes a while. Okay, One bit at a time, one sledgehammer. No, but we will, we will tear out tradition, man, God willing. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 for the grace of God, say grace of God. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for some people. You sure? Oh, it does say all. 
Oh, yeah. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. What? Grace doesn't give us an excuse to sin. Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. That's what grace does. If you think grace gives you an excuse to sin, you're, you've got some other definition to grace that is not in the Bible. Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Isn't that powerful? And then it says, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself, listen, to redeem us from all unlawlessness. He, he bought us from lawlessness, from all unlawlessness, to purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I can tell you I had such a negative connotation to good works because I had tried so hard in my legalistic mindset because I felt like I had to do good works to one, please God, and two, to earn my righteousness. So I felt like I was doing all, I exhausted myself. I burned myself out as a Christian, trying to be good enough. But listen, grace doesn't do that. Grace gives us, makes a people zealous for good works. Grace motivates you from the heart. And we'll get into that a little bit as we unpack pack grace. But grace is God's power and ability that works inside your heart, inside of my heart. And it gives us the power to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It gives us a zealousness for good works. It's a desire for good works. That's seeing Pastor T with a vacuum cleaner and saying, Pastor T, get away from the vacuum cleaner. I want to do it. And you're fighting over the vacuum cleaner. Who's going to vacuum the carpets? That's zealous for good works. I, I was so disappointed <laughs> once I saw a young guy, and it was years ago. And, he, and you know, there were some people cleaning up after one of our big events. And, and I watched this young guy peer through the thing, and he saw these, these old folks just cleaning and think. And he kind of snuck away. To, he didn't want to be seen. I was like, man, isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that all we want to do is think about us? We don't care. We don't want to do We don't want to do it. It's like, Jesus, it's, 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 it's not because, I, listen to me, zealous for good works. That's got to do with a heart motivation, not external actions. God looks at, God sees the heart. I'm not talking about external actions. I'm talking about passion. I'm talking about desire. I'm talking about something that's motivated, comes from inside of you. I know it's getting quiet again here. Sorry. No. I'm not, because this is true. Grace will motivate you in a way that you have never been motivated for you. It will bring pleasure and pleasing and make a good life for you, and it will make you a life, give you a life of victory. Amen? Okay, so it's the issue of grace. Listen carefully. It's this issue of grace which determines if you will reign in life. I'm going to say it again. It's this issue of understanding and laying hold of what grace is which will determine if you will reign in life. Because of all these scriptures I've read. So again, words, words are important. There, there are synonyms. We, 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 we make this mixed bag of synonyms and we throw grace and mercy and kindness and goodness and love and compassion. And we put it all in a mixed bag and we just say, oh, isn't that person just so gracious? Oh, it's just grace. It's just grace. We mean well, but no, no, we have to unpack this. Listen to this powerful um, passage here in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That is powerful in itself, because, and we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit. The humanity of Jesus Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, which we'll talk about next Sunday at Christmas Day, sweet baby Jesus, right? He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. 
man, this is rich. This is rich. Jesus was tempted as we are. He's a high priest. He has compassion. He understands. He is the man, the son of man, with scars in his hands, seated at the right hand of the Father. In fact, he is the only physical, yes, it is a super physical, bodied man, firstborn from among the dead that is in heaven right now. I mean, I, I guess technically one could say Elijah maybe, and I don't know, somebody, you know. But I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. He was tempted, it says very clearly in many, many scriptures, he was tempted as we are. Why? Because he had flesh. And that is a big deal, and we, that's, we're not going to unpack here. But the point I want you to understand is that he understands. If you think you've been tempted and that Jesus doesn't understand, he understands. He has been tempted. He has been tempted. I know that doesn't even fit into some people's theology. Oh, he's the son of God. He can't be tempted with sin. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I didn't write this. Verse 16 again. Let us therefore with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. Man, I tell you what. When you see God's throne associated with grace and mercy, it is so powerful. And we have to unpack this. Because we see in the Old Testament, even in the, the, the shadow, it says in Hebrews, that the tent and the tabernacle and, and, and the temple were, were images. They were shadows of what the heavenly Jerusalem looked like. And we see even there, there was a mercy seat. It was not a judgment seat. The blood of the innocent lamb was taken to the mercy seat. Mercy. Mercy is a part of God's character. Mercy is awesome. Mercy treats us better than we deserve. Mercy is very, is, 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 is very closely associated with compassion. In fact, often the words in Hebrew and Greek have got to do with your bowels. They very closely, because it's, it's, that, it's that rising up compassion inside of you. That is, that's willing to do and to treat you better than you and I deserve. When we understand that, that, that loving kindness and tender mercy and, and that the, the Hebrew word is like no other, chesed. And, 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 and I hope to unpack that name of God sometime and we can, you know, that part of the God's character and nature. But understand, understand that, that, that God, understanding that God, if you run to him, this is what it's saying here. It says that because we understand that there is mercy, that he is merciful, we boldly approach now, we've got to understand that word boldly because you've got to understand the word is parousia in, 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 in Greek, and it's used as massive boldness. It's like, I don't care what you're all going to say. I'm going to say it. That word parousia is used in, it's, it's, was, it, it's, it's used in ancient Greek, Demosthenes and the speech writer of Greek, blah, 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 blah. You can go and study, but boldness, without circum, without talking around the corner, about insinuating, but speaking, saying it as it is, boldly is the word parousia, boldness. It doesn't say, we come before God's throne. God, I just want to talk to you about some sin in my life. You know when you have that attitude or you're feeling? You feel cowardly. You feel ashamed. You feel like you've got to kind of, no. You see, when you're so persuaded of the mercy of God, you march right in. Because you know, this is where we're at. I'm here to lay hold of mercy. That's what the word is, lambano. I'm here to lambano mercy. I'm here to actively participate, lay hold of the mercy that I know that God is, that he has for me. Because I'm so persuaded of his mercy, I can march right into the very throne room of grace. Boldly come before the throne of grace. Because I know that there's mercy. It's mercy that gives me the boldness. It's no, let me rephrase. It's knowing the mercy of God that gives me the boldness to come before it. I march right in because I know that he's going to be merciful. Because he is merciful. What's that scripture in um, Lamentations? Um, <laughs> when you talk about mercy, I love this piece, Lamentations 3.21. But this I recall, and therefore I have hope and expectation. Man, 
that just that is enough for me. Just listen. Go if you can bring twenty-one again, Joy. Listen. He says, Jeremiah writing. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And he's about to tell you something. And then he goes into twenty-two, and he says, it is because of the Lord's mercy and His chesed, His loving kindness, His tender mercies, that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. I'm reading it out of the Amplified here. Great, great, great is, and abundant is your stability and faithfulness. I mean, there, there, I, I could go on, but I don't want to just for the sake of time here. But knowing His mercy, understanding it is what gives us boldness to approach Him. So powerful. And then he says, why? Because again, grace, again, grace has not got to do with excusing your sin. <laughs> oh, I'm so tempted. I've got to bite my tongue. Because it, 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 you, you've got to understand that God didn't excuse sin. It's not in God's justice to excuse sin. This is a secret. I powered. Listen to me. It's not in God's justice to excuse sin. He can't just say, oh, all that sin that you have, don't worry about it. That would be unjust. In fact, there are scriptures that say that God hates, hates when, the, when the evil get away with sin. Now, that sounds confusing to somebody's brain who's like, no, but listen, God, God doesn't, God has never just excused our sin He's paid for it. He paid 100% of your debt so that there was an equalization in the books. The katalaso, that reconciliation, is literally an accounting term. The books were balanced. Tetelestai, it is finished. Paid in full. The debt was paid. You see, God didn't just excuse your sin. He paid for your sin. He had to pay for it on his back, on his son, with his life. Your sin hasn't been excused, brother and sister. My sin hasn't been excused. It's been fully meted out. The punishment for your sin and my sin was fully meted out on Jesus. It wasn't just, okay, I'll ignore it this time, just this time. He's not ignoring nothing. Every single sin was fully paid for. That's powerful because there is no sin that you can do that hasn't already been paid for. That's part of the gospel. That's part of understanding the good news of what God gave to us. So you see, when we go to, you see, grace has got nothing to do with excusing sin. Because you know, we go in, in back in, in Hebrews 4, I'm talking about in verse 16, we may receive, we lay hold of God's mercy. You've got to take his mercy into yourself because his mercy is freely available. He is merciful, he is free, but you have to believe it. You have to lay hold of it inside your heart. You have to lay hold of that mercy. And you boldly approach the throne of grace. But listen, mercy doesn't help you, it's grace that helps you. It's grace that gives you the power. It's grace that's going to help you, like we read in Titus, to renounce ungodliness and passion, and it's going to give you zealousness for good works. It's grace that helps. Grace, understanding that it's God's ability that's freely available. And, and we, we have to unpack about technically how this happens because we, re we receive grace by faith and understanding what that truth is and how it works in our heart. But I want you just to understand the difference between mercy and grace. Grace has got nothing to do with excusing sin. Mercy's got nothing to do. Mercy's just going to give you God's willingness and desire to treat you better than deserve. He's always going to have that attitude and that, that, that demeanor towards you. He's going to stoop. One of the words is to, to, to stoop down onto one knee. He wants to help you. Seeing God that way. Or you can say, uh, I don't really believe that. God's not that way. Okay. Well, then you won't approach him boldly. You won't. 
But when you, say, you, say, when you know that you can boldly approach the throne of grace and say, oh, God, I need help. I need grace. And what is grace going to do? It's not to forgive you. Grace is to give you power over the sin. To renounce the ungodliness and things that we just read there in, in, in um, Titus. How does it say it there? Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. And make us, give us uh, zealous for good works. That's what he, we, can, we can lay hold of grace. You can lay hold of the grace for that area. And that's something that we're going to have to spend a bit of time in packing a little bit. Because if you don't fully, I just want you, if you don't understand how grace works by faith. And you see, how can I say it this way? Um, I've already laid the foundation of loving God's word. You see, you, can, you can't experience mercy and grace if you depart from the word of God. You can't have grace for something outside of what God's already given you for given you his word for, his truth. Grace is going to be aligning your heart with the truth of God's word. And, 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 and I know that's a big realm that we've got to just unpack at, an, at another time. But clearly understand this too. I want you to see today. Mercy is God's desire to be good to you. To, he wants to help you. He wants to. That's the demeanor. He wants to help you. You can come before him boldly. Like we read in Lamentations, this is going to give me hope. This is why I can run to him, because I know he's merciful. And besides, we speak, we speak all the time about God's love. God's love doesn't change. God's love doesn't change. God's love does not change towards you. Or towards that jerk that you think shouldn't be loved. <laughs> the guy in the car or that person in the other political seat or whoever. You see, when you can understand, <laughs> oh gosh, when, when we grasp, when we grasp, I should say, some of the parables that Jesus broke these things down and, he's, and he told about the one, the one guy that had that massive big debt. Remember the story? He had that massive big debt and he was forgiven. Whew, forgiven, he was, he was, his debt was forgiven. And then he goes outside, I mean, of, of like, I don't know, it was like, equivalent of billions of dollars, and he gets this massive debt forgiven, and then he goes outside, and somebody owed him 25 bucks, and he has him thrown in jail for 25 bucks, and God's like, what's up with that? You see, when you hold unforgiveness against somebody, it's kind of like that. God's given us that much forgiveness. He's given us salvation. He's redeemed us. He's given us eternity. He's given us an, an inheritance that's incalculably wonderful. But we choose to hold somebody's irksome deed on this earth, and that's the equivalent of 25 bucks in comparison. You see, we, it's just simply because we don't understand how great our forgiveness is, how great he has been, how great he has delivered us from. When we lay hold of this, so again, mercy, but grace to help. Grace to help grace to help. And I'm going to say it again. Grace is God's ability, His power, His dunamis ability that works in, not in my head. It doesn't work because I understand the definitions and I can quote them and pass a test to them. It's because I lay hold of the truth in my heart. It's, it, grace works when, when I align my heart beliefs with His. Grace works inside my heart, enabling me, enabling me, giving me power and ability, enabling me to do what I cannot do in my own ability. It gives you ability to do what you cannot do in your ability. That's what grace does. Do you understand the difference? I hope, I, I know, you go, go back and listen to this a, a couple of times and just, just ask God to make it clear. You see, Jesus lived life as a man, fully tempted. And that's, I'm going to go back to that verse, just two verses. It says, he understood that's why he can. He was a great high priest. He, 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 he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows. He has compassion for us. That's why we can boldly approach. That's why we know who he is and what he has to offer. And we can lay hold of help in a time of need. Amen. He is that, you know, and that, that word help, I mean, 
It's just fun to know these things, but that word help in a time of need, that word help, if you go and study the, it was a Roman, I mean, it's a Greek word, but the Romans, it was like when a soldier is in battle and he cried out, Boethia, it was like soldiers, he's like, guys, I need help. It was like you rally to your your comrade's cause. He's struggling right now, and when he cried that word, Boethia, you knew it was helping. It's, it's actually used in another word too, to strengthen a ship. It was the, they, they used it for strengthening the underside of a ship as well, for making it strong in a storm, to hold the, literally to hold it together. But when a soldier used that word, it was like, I'm in trouble, I need help. And that's what the word is here, Boethia. Grace to Boethia in a time of need. We all need Grace. We all need grace to have victory. We need, we need an understanding of what sin does, but we need to have a greater understanding about what God's grace does. Grace is so much more than sin. Grace is so much more powerful than sin. Grace is not an excuse to sin. That's like nailing yourself to the floor, crushing your... It's like... It's absolutely crazy that it's been so manipulated in our minds to a place where we've used grace as an excuse to sin. It's, sin is still sin. Sin will still kill. It will not, it's got nothing to do with God. Sin in itself is its paymasters. The wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. I know I'm saying it many times in different ways. I'm just trying to, I want, I want you to gra- grasp that. God is not the paymaster of sin. The wages of sin is death. He has mercy and he has grace to help in a time of need. Amen. Are you ready to receive some of that? Let's close our eyes. Father, we, we boldly, <laughs> we boldly approach you, Father, because we know you're merciful. We rush towards you. We boldly come in before your throne. We rush towards you because you're so merciful. New every morning. New every morning. You're full of mercy and chesed. Full of loving kindness and tender mercies. Thank you, Father, that your demeanor toward us is to help and to treat us better than we deserve. And so we open. And and I just want to to encourage you right now, while eyes are closed, just open your hands. You don't have to raise them, but just open your hands. Just in a, in a, in a, in a sign of surrender to your own self, just know that as you boldly approach the Father, that throne of grace, and it is a throne of grace, your Father wants to help. He wants to be merciful. Never forget that. If you felt trapped by any sin or you felt hindered by anything that may not even be sin, but you know it slowed your race down, talk about it. Tell Jesus. Name it. Say, Jesus, you know this better than I do. The only reason I can acknowledge it plainly is because I know that you're merciful. I know that you are love. And so I come to you for this grace help me you've got a decision to make will you let his help help you you are still the one who's going to have to use that help call on that help he is not going to overcome it for you he is going to work with you to overcome that He is going to empower you to overcome it. Let me put it that way. He is not going to overcome it. He's going to empower you to overcome it. You're not going to do it in your own ability. And so, Lord, we lay hold of grace. We thank you for grace. We thank you for this grace. He loves you.
It's free. It is free. Thank you, Father. Now, if you're watching online and you need prayer at any stage or maybe you don't even know Jesus and that's okay. That's okay. I'm so glad you're watching. Know that that's where grace starts. That's where mercy begins when you know how much God loves you. He longs to love on you. Just receive His love. You can call or text our, our, uh, our prayer line. And we, if you just text it to that, uh, that number, we will certainly get your text. Or if you call it, you can leave a voicemail and a prayer minister will get back to you. Hallelujah. If you're here in the auditorium, know that we've got prayer ministers ready, as always, ready to minister to you and pray with you. You are victorious. You have victory in life. I just want to sit that there. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for peace. Thank you. Thank you for letting that go. Thank you for letting that go. Thank you for setting yourself free. Thank you for the freedom that you have because it's only free children that can serve. It's only free children that can be kingdom power. That can be effective in the kingdom. And you are. That's what you're called to do. So we surrender that, Father, and we thank you that as your Holy Spirit takes these truths and just cements them into our hearts, we take them home with open hearts to hear that. Receive that, Lord. Continue ministering to us. Thank you, Father.